Welcome to episode 106 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. If you want to burn fat, gain energy, and enhance your health by changing when you eat, not what you eat, with no calorie counting, then this show is for you. I'm Melanie Avalon, author of What, When, Wine, Lose Weight and Feel Great with Paleo-Style Meals, Intermittent Fasting, and Wine. And I'm here with my co-host, Jen Stevens, author of Delay, Don't Deny, Living an Intermittent Fasting Lifestyle. For more on us, check out ifpodcast.com, melanieavalon.com, and jinstevens.com. Please remember, the thoughts and opinions on this podcast do not constitute medical advice or treatment. So, pour yourself a cup of black coffee, a mug of tea, or even a glass of wine, (laughs) if it's that time, and get ready for the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. One more thing before we jump in. Did you know that common ingredients found in skincare and makeup products can actually disrupt your endocrine system? These endocrine disruptors are a silent threat that can have significant impact on your health, including something that is very important to me, fertility. Your skin is your body's largest organ and what you put on it matters. Endocrine disruptors are chemicals that interfere with the natural hormonal communication in the body. It also matters during pregnancy. And that's one of the reasons I pay close attention to what I put on my skin while being pregnant. Studies have shown that exposure to endocrine disruptors can affect both male and female fertility. For women, these disruptors can lead to irregular menstrual cycles, ovulation issues, and even polycystic ovarian syndrome or PCOS. In men, they can reduce sperm quality and quantity, making it even more challenging to conceive. But it's not just about fertility. When it comes to fat loss, one of the reasons that endocrine disruptors can get in the way of fat loss is because a lot of our toxins are actually stored in our fat. It's a way that our bodies protect us from those toxins. These toxic compounds can even work synergistically, amplifying their harmful effects and making it that much harder to shed unwanted body fat. All of these reasons are why I am obsessed with a company called Beauty Counter. The founder actually started the company when she learned about the potential dangers of toxic chemicals and their link to health issues, specifically miscarriages and infertility. While pregnant, I make sure to only use Beauty Counter products. It's one of the only makeup lines that is officially recommended from the Environmental Working Group. What really sets Beauty Counter apart is their unwavering commitment to protecting us, the consumer consumers from the hidden dangers that lurk in conventional beauty products. Beauty Counter goes above and beyond rigorously screening every single ingredient that goes into their products, ensuring that they are safe, clean, and free from harmful toxins. They're not just a beauty brand, they're a movement for change, advocating for stronger regulations in the beauty industry. With Beauty Counter, I know that I can trust that the skincare and makeup that I use are not only effective, but also safe for me and my family. They have skincare lines for every skin type, as well as so many other incredible products. I absolutely love their overnight resurfacing peel. It's my favorite way to get anti-aging benefits in a skincare product. The makeup is absolutely amazing. I have tried alternative beauty products in the past and none of them truly performed. But with Beauty Counter, the foundation is so amazing. It makes me feel like my skin can breathe and it looks so dewy and beautiful. You can shop with me at beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. 
New customers can use the code CLEANFORALL20 for 20% off their first order. Beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. All right, friends, now back to the show. Hi, everybody, and welcome. This is episode number 106 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. I'm Melanie Avalon, and I'm here with Jen Stevens. Hi, everybody. How are you today, Jen? I am fabulous. Why are you fabulous? I just am. (laughs) I got a great dose of vitamin D at the beach last week, and so, yeah, I loved it. Oh, yes. We haven't talked about it. It was So it was a good trip for you? Oh, yeah. It was fabulous. We loved the condo. We were there for six nights. And there's just something about the ocean, you know? We can hear the ocean from the balcony. We can see the ocean. I watched the sunrise. It was really funny. The first morning when I woke up, my son Will was there with us, or our son Will, and we slept with the bedroom door closed. And I woke up and I was like, are the lights on in the hall? Why is it so bright? Is Will up already? No, it was the sun (laughs) shining in, the sunrise. Just just that old thing. (laughs) Just the sun, but it was so bright and it was just beautiful. So yeah, we, we face kind of north, our condos on the north side of the building, but we see the sunrise over the ocean and it was just perfect. So that was my morning routine because I'm up with the sun, you know, literally. Speaking of the sun, I know this is controversial, tanning beds and vitamin D and all of that stuff, but I just had a realization the other day because I was thinking that maybe I should get some sort of tanning membership for, I mean, I know summer's coming up, so it's lots of sun. (laughs) for vitamin D during the cloudier months, as it were. I just realized a lot of gyms have tanning beds and it's cheaper in all honesty to buy, often to buy a gym membership for the tanning bed than to buy like a tanning bed membership at a tanning That's salon. interesting. Yeah. I wonder if the quality of the of the bulbs is different. I don't know, but I was, <laughs> I was calling all these gyms because I, I moved to Atlanta. So I was calling all these gyms around me and asking them all of these questions about their amenities. Of course, none of the, none of the questions were actually about like the machine the gym. or yeah. the workout classes. I was like, I was like, tell me about your sauna. Tell me about your tanning. Tell me about your. <laughs> and I was like, what package gets me all of that? Literally, no questions about the actual like treadmills or right. Um, yeah, but that was just an epiphany I had. That's so. really funny. Yeah, I, I don't do tanning beds, but I like to get the sunlight on my skin. And so, you know, I've got that. We've got that built-in feedback of sunburn when we've had too much. So. I like to go out and just get just enough. Yep, yep. I also wanted to share something with listeners. Awesome. I can't wait to hear. So I moved back to Atlanta, like I said. And honestly, Jen, it was (laughs) the most stressful week of my life. Oh, gosh. (laughs) Literally. um, Just, you know, movers. And I I moved all by myself. Like I didn't have any help or anything. So like meeting movers at all different times and shipping my car and getting all my stuff and while still, you know, working, doing the podcast, all the things, things got real. And like in the past, I think I would have powered through with intermittent fasting and it would have really worked for me and probably really helped the move and the stress and everything. But this time around, I just needed food more and like very certain foods. So I wanted, I wanted to share this with listeners because I, I stopped intermittent fasting for a few different days. Wow. While moving. 
And I had like a lot of realizations and epiphanies about our bodies and stress. And I just want listeners to know that I'm right there with you if you find that like stress is affecting you. And there are days where you feel like you, you know, you just at that point, you need to eat food and you don't need to be intermittent fasting and that's okay. And I had a lot of epiphanies about that. I will say though, I'm happy to get back into the swing of intermittent fasting because (laughs) it's. It makes me way happier and I feel way better doing that. But um, it was really interesting. Well, I love that you listened to your body. And see, we've been doing this for so long that we really can tell when there's something different, right? Like you, you knew you could just feel it. Yeah. And what's really interesting is I had these moments where I was like, I need nuts and seeds. And so... <laughs> My takeaway was that nuts and seeds must be the most epic, like, survival food. I mean, you know, because I guess because they have everything. They have protein, fat, carbs, and then nutrients. So they literally have everything, like, all in one. But I was like, I just need pounds and pounds of pumpkin seeds and almonds right now. (laughs) And I was like, when was the last time I had these intense cravings for these? And the last time I literally was like, I need a jar of almond butter right now was last time I was moving. Okay, that's fascinating. Yeah. So I think it's really, it's really interesting. There was lots, lots to discover. Well, you know, people do find that when they're going through something intensely stressful, they'll, you know, quote, fall off the wagon. And I really want to encourage people to look at it differently instead of thinking of it as falling off the wagon. Think about it like you needed something different for that stressful time. You didn't fall off any wagon. There was no wagon. You don't need to get back on the wagon or start over or, (laughs) you know. Right. Like your body needed something specific at that time. And like for me, though, I'm not judging eating cake and cookies and things like that. But I didn't go eat, you know, junk food and things like that. It was mostly like nuts and seeds and, you know, it was all like foods that I feel really comfortable with. But um, definitely adjusted the eating window a bit. But I cannot tell you how happy I am to get back to intermittent fasting because being in the constant – fed state, at least just for a few different days that I was, it just, it doesn't suit me so well. It drags you down, doesn't it? Did you feel? It's a weird, a weird contradiction because it would be like, I would have a moment where I was like, I I need food right now for fuel and for my body, like I need it. But at the same time, when I would have it, then I would feel more like weighed down, a little bit lethargic, a little bit sluggish. I was like, well, can't have best of both worlds, I guess. It's true, yeah. But um, I was like, maybe I should try juicing right now. Maybe this is like the time I should be juicing. I, I didn't try that. But um, maybe next time, maybe next move, I'll try that. But yeah, it was, it was very interesting to say the least. Well, I'm glad you listened to your body and I'm glad that you shared it too because I think people need to hear that because, you know, we just see so many people beating themselves up and that's what we want to move away from respecting the signals we get from our body and knowing when it's time to set fasting aside. Exactly. So I'm right there with you, listeners, right there with you. I'm also right there with you when you have the feeling that if you do do stop intermittent fasting for a bit, you're like, I'm never going to be able to intermittent fast again because I'm in this constant eating phase, but you can do it. Was it hard for you to go back? I mean, how many days would you say that you... You didn't do it. How many days were you just eating normally? It's interesting. So I <laughs> I never had like two days in a row where I would eat all day. 
Because if I had a day where I ate all day, the next day I was just like, ugh, I can't. So I almost like naturally fell into almost like an ADF type thing. It sounds because, like it, yeah. Yeah, because the next day I was like, I just want a little bit of fruit and I'm good. <laughs> so yeah, um, probably like, I don't know. It was longer than a week total for everything. So probably out of like 10 days, probably like four of the days. All right. So yeah, I do think it's interesting that you kind of ADF'd your way through it. Yeah. I was like, Very oh, that's, cool. that's really interesting. Yeah. I also had one more epiphany about eating windows now that we're t- talking about all of this. On random days in the past where I've, quote, tried daytime eating, like having, I guess, eating throughout the day, it actually ends up being similar hours, like like straight hour amount of time as it does when I do my nighttime eating window, yet it would be seen different like culturally and from right. society's perspective. Because I've had times where I'm like, oh, I'll start eating earlier today to see what, you know, to see what it's like to eat throughout the day. So I'd have days where I would start eating at like 2 p.m. But then by like 8 p.m., I'd be like, I'm I'm good. <laughs> so that's like a six-hour window compared to, you know, starting to eat at 8 and then eating from like 8, 9, 10, you know, into the wee morning. It's also a six-hour window. Yet for some reason, the latter seems way more wrong or weird or constrictive. So does that make sense? It does. It does. And same with me, like a day that I'll start my window earlier, I'm going to have lunch and, you know, because there's something going on. I close it much earlier often, not on purpose, but I've just had enough. Like I don't keep going until 8 or 9 p.m. I I usually close it earlier. So yeah, that makes sense to me too. But right. I don't do it on purpose. It's just that I'm satisfied. And so yeah. that's enough. Yeah. And it still might be, you know, two meals instead of one. But I, I don't think I can really eat two full meals anymore. You know, like maybe one of them will be smaller than the other. Even when I try to eat two full meals, my body doesn't want quite that much food. Yeah. Of course, I have to say I eat really big meals. So <laughs> like at night, you know, I'll eat a, a big meal for dinner, you know, maybe more than a woman my age would normally eat. I don't know. Yep. I've always here. been a big eater. Same here. Yeah. That's my other problem. Since I'm a big eater, once I start eating, I want to eat like a ton. So when I try doing a daytime eating, it's like, it does not go well. But much yeah. to be learned. No judgment. And exactly. Right there with you listeners. So, all right. Shall we jump into everything for today? Yes. Let's get started. So to start things off, we have quite a few listener feedbacks, and we randomly got from a lot of people great testimonials and thankful emails. So um, they like all came at once, <laughs> so I thought I would throw them in here. So the first one comes from Jenna. The subject is sending thanks, and Jenna says, Hello, my name is Jenna. I listen to your podcast every day on my commute to work. My coworker introduced me to IF after losing 25 pounds. She told me she did that without any exercise and without counting calories, so of course that caught my attention. She told me she listened to your podcast and that it would help teach me how to do IF. I started IF at the end of January, and I've already lost 18 pounds. After changing my diet to whole foods and sticking to a four to six hour window, the pounds have just melted off. Just wanted to say thank you. So yeah, I like having little testimonials from... um, people who find that it works for them. Yeah. And yay, Jenna, that's fabulous. I love the whole 
pounds melting off. You know, because so frequently we hear from people that struggle. And, you know, if you're struggling to lose weight, we get it. You know, there are a lot of reasons our bodies might hold on to the fat. It's not just going to melt right off, but it's great to hear from people when where it is melting off. Of course, my favorite part is she um, changed to a whole foods diet as well. Oh, yeah. Four to that's six true. hour window. So yeah, that probably support, helped. <laughs> gotta support that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Do you want to read Deborah's? Yes, we've got one from Deborah, and the subject is thanks to both. And she says, I've never liked eating in the morning and wanted to scream when, quote, diet experts and trainers want everyone to eat three meals daily and snacks. Snacking just makes me hungry. Yes, I'm, exactly. That's what you're yeah, just talking about. It's, it's like, true. Uh, that's the thing. Once I start eating the nuts, I'm like, more nuts. Yeah, nuts I all day. used to find that. when As soon as I would eat breakfast, I would be hungry. And, you know, that was back in the day. But yeah. I could literally eat nuts. Same, Deborah. All day. All day and never <laughs> yeah. stop. Right there with you. Yeah. <laughs> so she says, I'm new to IF and one meal a day. 22 fasts completed, mostly 24, but really 23, one. So meaning she normally has a four-hour window, or she sometimes has a four-hour window, but sometimes a one-hour window. She says, love the freedom and permission to adjust window on the weekend for out-of-town guests. Opened a longer window for a late brunch and dinner at a nice restaurant. I'm 5'7 and currently 166 pounds with a goal of 143 using Zero and my fitness pal apps for tracking, working out with Pilates, bar, body pump classes five times weekly, plus cardio two to four miles at the YMCA. I have always worked out, so this is not new. I've lost 12 pounds since Valentine's Day. I feel so empowered and in control with no cravings and have no trouble waiting until my window to eat what I want. Since I'm still trying to lose, I mostly eat fish and chicken, veggies and salads, and as a treat, wine, cheese, and crackers. I feel great, much less stressed, no guilt with eating the dreaded forbidden foods, and no meal prepping. I tell myself I can wait until my window and I can eat whatever I want. Here's a little Jen side note. Delay, don't deny. (laughs) I love it. Deborah says, I think the no guilt mindset is a huge game changer. I'm a retired commercial lender and very type A. I have always been a planner and tracker, so I love the apps as validation. Melanie is the nicest person I have ever known and is the sweet best friend we all need to support us through IF. Jen, I love that. I thought that was so sweet. (laughs) Jen is the mom that pushes us out of the nest when it is time to fly. Yeah, that makes me happy too, because that's the teacher side of me as well. You know, that was my job as a gifted teacher, especially, you know, I had to push those kids past where they were comfortable. You know, (laughs) that was my number one job, pushing them past their comfort zone so that they could soar. All right. So back to Deborah. She said, I've listened to all of Jen's stories and all but the first 18 of IF podcasts should finish tomorrow. Thanks for providing a livable approach for this lifestyle. This is such a sustainable way to live and not diet. Thanks so much, Deborah. I love this message. Me too. And then we have one from Taylor. She says a huge thank you. Hi, ladies. I recently found your show a few weeks ago after starting intermittent fasting. I finally feel like I found a good rhythm with it. My body seems to do amazing with an 18 to 20 hour fast and keeping my eating windows pretty small, usually one bigger meal and some light snacking if I'm still hungry later. Anyway, 
My reason for writing in today is because I just sincerely from the bottom of my heart want to thank you both. The information you share and the insight and advice you offer is incredible. I began IF for the health benefits and stick around for the weight loss. Two weeks of being consistent. Oh, wait, actually, that's interesting. Most people begin IF, I think, for the weight loss and stick around for the health benefits. Yeah. But she began for the health benefits and stuck around for the weight loss. It's true. She says, two weeks of being consistent with 18 to 20-hour fasting. I was down six inches overall. I don't weigh myself, but my clothes fit so much better. I also like that. I like (laughs) uh, marking it by inches rather than weight. Yes. She says, but the best part, the health part, is my OBGYN had recently run a ton of blood work and found I was borderline PCOS, slightly elevated testosterone, and while not yet insulin resistant, things were moving that direction based on the blood work results. I also was not ovulating. Well, ladies, today I got a positive ovulation test. I'm crying tears of joy as I write to you to thank you. Brain fog, feeling hangry, utter exhaustion, etc., all a thing of the past. Keep up the great work. I love listening to you too. Much love from Louisville, Kentucky. So yeah, so that is just, that's really, really wonderful, Taylor. And I mean, that, that is just amazing that she saw all of those health benefits and changes with her PCOS and her hormones and fertility. That's amazing. It's true. And fasting is especially beneficial for those with PCOS. Megan Ramos talks about this on the blog at intensivedietarymanagement.com. That's Dr. Fung's group. And she had PCOS. And of course, we know that PCOS is related to high levels of insulin. So that's why fasting is so positive for it because you lower your insulin during the, the fasted period of the day. So that's just wonderful. I want to add a little tip here. Taylor talks about measuring with inches. And a lot of people talk about how they have a hard time with the measuring tape, like making sure it's in the right place or getting the accurate measurement. One thing that a lot of people do that provides a great visual, use string. Take a piece of string and find a place on your body, like maybe around your belly button and measure with the string and then cut it. You know, hang it on the wall in your closet. And then Every couple of weeks, get a new piece of string, put it around the same place, like right there at your belly button, and then compare it to the one that you had before, you know, maybe tape it up next to it. So you can actually have a visual, you know, as you keep measuring with that string and seeing your waist go down, the string gets shorter. That's just a little visual tip that I've seen people do. And it's really powerful to watch that string get smaller. That's an awesome tip. It just gives you that visual and you can really see it, you know, on the days there are people who are still weighing and maybe the scale isn't doing what you think it should or, you know, whatever. When you you have some sort of visual that shows, look, something is changing. I see it. You know, that just gives you that positive feeling. And then when you're in your closet getting ready for the day, you see the string and you feel positive already. Love it. Love it. All right. So now we have something from Stephanie and the subject is twig tea. Stephanie says, hi, Melanie and Jen from Ontario, Canada. Just listened to episode 104. Someone wrote asking for tea recommendations. I'd like to recommend twig tea, aka kukicha tea. Is that how you say it? You think, Melanie? I have kukicha? no idea. We don't know. It, I'm just going to say kukicha, but it's K-U-K-I-C-H-A. Made from the stems of the tea plant. It has an earthy, kind of nutty taste. Organic Choice is the brand I tried and like. It has no funky ingredients. Thanks for all the work you do. Love the podcast. All the best, Stephanie. So that's interesting. So it's the stems of the tea plant. So 
Yeah, interesting choice. Yep. Have you ever had it or you haven't heard of it? I have not. The closest thing I've had, it's not tea, but you can order like these branches, I think related to the mustard plant, and you chew on them for teeth whitening and breath freshening. Have you heard of those? I, I don't know. I know that people chewed on things, yeah, like in the past. I don't know specifically what what it was, but yeah, some people swear by them on Amazon. But twig tea, who knows? All right. Who knew? So yeah, we did not. More. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was asking <laughs> listeners if you have any tea recommendations. Definitely hit us with them because I feel like Jen and I didn't have. Well, it's because tea is so tricky. Like we said, there's so many things called tea that really are not tea. So, yeah. Yep. Now we have sort of some feedback from Allison about one of our prior discussions. Uh, the subject is fasting windows response. And Allison says, hello, I just finished listening to your episode from April 1st. I know I'm a little bit behind, but I wanted to ask you a question regarding the conversation you had about fasting windows. I fast two days a week for 18 hours. The question you had from Sarah and your response makes it sound like this is not really fasting by your definition. I felt a little left out and excluded by the fact that you stated that you would only be fasting to your old self. I'll clarify what she means by that. She says, I have had my longest fasting window at 24 hours. Those windows are difficult for me as I am a single mom working full time and really struggle with making that work. I would appreciate your thoughts. Thank you. What Allison is speaking to is we had a question about different windows and I was making the comment that now I love fasting longer. And when I quote fast shorter amount of hours, it doesn't even seem like fasting to me in a way, whereas by other people's definitions, it would. And I think the question we were answering from Sarah kind of had a similar idea in it as well. If that came off as like making it seem like smaller fasts were not were not worthy of fasting or were not qualified as fasting. That's that's not what we meant by that. We were just saying that we've seen such changes in our ability to fast and going longer that it's just funny now that smaller fasts that definitely qualify as fasting and society definitely sees as fasting almost don't feel like fasting to us because we're so used to going even right. longer hours. So Allison with your lifestyle and everything, I love that you're doing 18-hour fast. That's amazing. Keep on keeping on. and You're not, not doing anything wrong. Sorry if that came off that way. <laughs> yeah, that, that's exactly right. Like for me, when I do 16-8 and have two meals, it doesn't feel like fasting to me because it's more food than I normally eat. And so it feels like I'm eating a lot of food. But 16-8 absolutely is fasting. That's just an example. I threw that out there because it's a very common pattern and it's where a lot of people start. And it's where a lot of people just live their lives like my husband in a pattern like that. So, yeah, you know, even when you're just doing like 12-12, you're going to see health benefits, you know, a 12-hour fast, you know, when you start getting it longer than that, you know, that there may be more health benefits with a 14 or a 16, but whatever you do. 12, 12 and beyond, you should feel very great about that because you are fasting. Exactly. All right. Shall we get into our questions for today? Yes. And the first one is from Kate. And the subject is summer is coming. Yes, it is, Kate. And I can't wait. You know, a side note here. I don't know if I've said this before on the podcast, but I used to think that I loved summer because it was like time off from work because I'm a teacher, you know, or when I was a student or whatever. But now I've realized, now that I don't go to work every day, I realized I just love summer. It's just the season. It's not just because I was off work. 
it's because summer is my favorite. Anyway, so yes, summer is coming. I love that. Remind heat. me, have you seen Frozen? I have seen Frozen, yeah. So do you like the song Olaf sings about summer? I can't remember. It's been so long. He loves summer and he talks about how great it would be to be in summer because he can't be in summer. <laughs> he can't. That's true because he's a snowman. And he talks about how it's like summer and things are all, I don't know what he said. Something about like they're all, sh- it, it sounded like you just now. <laughs> all shiny, yeah, but I, I love it. I love summer. That's yeah. what he says. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I'll just call me Olaf. That'll be my new nickname. Yep. <laughs> Except that I don't melt in the summer. Nope. All right. So Kate says, ladies, wow, I just finished all of your podcasts and have to admit I'm restarting them. I've learned so much from you both and I'm loving the IF lifestyle. I started my IF journey just six weeks ago, have had to learn to balance family meals slash weekends and going out with my newfound lifestyle, but it's been great. I love the energy I have. I would never have believed I would have had this amount of energy by eating in a small window a day. I typically keep an 18-6 schedule, but have been known to push it to 24 or 22-2. I open my window around 4 o'clock every day so I can eat with my children at dinner. This is such an amazing way to live. Truly, I just cannot get over all the benefits I am seeing and enjoying. I do have one major concern. Living in Texas, we have had a cooler-than-normal winter, which is great when doing outdoor activities with family or chores, i.e. yard work. I stay nice and cool, and I don't have to worry about becoming weak on my fast while participating in these activities. My concern lies in the fact that summer is coming. Last summer, I was trying out the 5-2 diet, and on my fasting days, taking in 500 calories a day, I would become weak to the point that I would have to eat to regain strength to keep up with the demands of outdoor activities with my kids. Texas has hot summer days with temps 100 plus degrees and humidity off the charts for a majority of the summer. We are always going to the lake, having a swim, or just being outside. I don't want to change this about myself or family. Will I be able to fast as I am now in summer and live an active life outside? Or should I adjust something in my schedule? Have other people experienced a problem with IF and hot temps? Thanks for any advice or tips. I am so impressed with how you have educated and researched this all out and stay on top of your game. I'm inspired by you both. Hugs from the heart of Texas, Kate. All right. So great question about summer. (laughs) Summer is coming. And this actually goes well with what we were talking about earlier with being intuitive and listening to your body. But like she has like an, a one meal a day, eighteen six schedule, but sometimes she tightens it up a little bit. But it sounds like her problem with fueling comes when she tries the ADF, you know, 500 calorie days. And that was in the past. That was right. what she did before. So, I mean, the short answer might be just stick with one meal a day or or eighteen six during the summer. And that might solve all of those problems. I mean, is that yeah, too I think short of an she's answer? not doing five two anymore. Like she tried that first and didn't. It didn't work well for her. And so now she's doing the daily eating window approach and she's loving it. So I think the reason that 5-2 was not working well for her is because of those two days. Really, it's just a calorie cycling program, depending on how you do the few, the two days. But you're always refilling your glycogen stores with those five days of, quote, eating normally. So I feel like on 5-2, you're never going to quite get to that 
fasted state of ketosis that we get to every day during our daily eating window. I mean, you might on those two days, depending on whether you do a full fast, you might get into ketosis on those two days, but maybe not especially if you're one of the people that does the 500 calorie days all spread out throughout the day. Because when you read the five, two books, you know, a lot of people do that. They just eat like, you know, small amounts. They spread those 500 calories out over the course of the day. And so it's not really a full fast. And so you're just never getting to that fasted state to the point where you're going to have the great energy. So I agree with you, Melanie. I think that Kate won't have that problem because Kate, listen, I live in Georgia. So you want to talk about high temperatures and humidity? I got it too. I'm right there with you. And one thing we do hear, some people actually feel cooler when they're in the fasted state. So you might actually find that it's the opposite. You're able to tolerate the summer better than you were before. That would be my hunch. I would like a follow-up from Kate. Yeah, I would Send too. us an email in July or August. August is really when it's super hot. I would too. And I was watching Gone with the Wind the other day. And in one of the first scenes, you know, they're just wearing all those clothes and those dresses. And then they're in one of the opening scenes, Scarlett is with her, her maid nanny. And um, the maid is like saying how she has to eat, you know, before this, this picnic she's going to. And and I'm just like, oh, I don't know, watching it. I was just like, oh, because it's like so Let Scarlett be fasted. And she 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 talks about she's not even hungry and she starts like stuffing her face. And I was just like, oh, the heat and summer and those dresses and barbecue. Yeah. I had never watched Gone with the Wind before. It is. Oh, you had not ever watched it? Yeah. And I had not. And I feel like I feel like a, a lot of I don't want to make generalizations, but I feel like a lot of people haven't sat down and watched it, especially like my generation. Right. It's really good. Like, yeah. like I sort of started watching it out of feeling like I needed to. Like, okay, four hours. I got to watch this. Everybody needs to watch this at some point. I'll watch it. It's like a page turner or a movie turner. I was like, I have you read the I book? Like, I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> no. I'm not. See, I read the book when I was 12. That was, it's like a really big, thick book. And I remember reading it. I'm shocked I didn't because I was always reading all those books, but yeah. I didn't read it. I was like, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. I actually don't. I thought yeah. it would be like kind of obvious. Different. But it wasn't what you were expecting. Yeah. yeah no, I thought it was going to be The boring. book is really, really different. Oh, so really? If you ever read, I would suggest reading it. Yeah. It, the book is really different. I mean, it has a lot more detail that is left out of the movie. Wow. So, yeah. And also reading it as a Georgian, you know, you recognize the places. Oh, true. True, true. And you're like, Jonesboro. I've been to Jonesboro. (laughs) I've been there. And it's like so close to Atlanta, but they were like trekking out like it was like a million miles away. And it's like the suburbs now of Atlanta, you know, that like they were traveling to, you know, New York or something. But it's really just like right there. So funny. Yeah. All right. So now we have a question from an anonymous listener. And the subject is IF is the opposite of an eating disorder. And she actually has this first email and then she sent us a follow-up email as well. So she says, Hey ladies, I started to post this to the Facebook group, but realized that I prefer to keep this anonymous. My loved ones are struggling to be supportive of my IF lifestyle, even though I've experienced improvements in focus, mood, and energy. I'm losing weight at a slow and steady rate. I only have about 10 pounds until I'm at maintenance. And I've been able to decrease with doctor supervision, the antidepressants and mood stabilizers that I've been taking for 10 plus years. I feel great. 
My goal with IF isn't weight loss, although it's a nice side benefit. The aforementioned benefits are the reason I'm sticking with IF long term. Here's the problem. I have a history with eating disorders, and to my loved ones, fasting looks like anorexia. It could not be more different. I do this because I love my body and I deserve to be healthy and feel great. There's no guilt, sadness, or anger associated with food, which is a beautiful and rare thing for me. I've shared this with my family and encouraged them to do their own research, listen to podcasts, obviously yours, check out documentaries, etc., but they're still scared and unsupportive. I even got into an argument with my spouse a couple nights ago, who calls it intermittent starving, and made me promise to stick to a max of 16 hours fasting, which is too bad because I see the greatest benefits with my once-per-week 24-hour fasts. I completely understand their concerns because my eating disorders led to hospitalization and wasn't a minor issue. Still, what can I do to show them how therapeutic and beneficial IF is for me? I love your podcast. You ladies make me laugh, smile, and sometimes even get teary-eyed because a lot of what you discuss hits home for me. Thanks a million for all that you do. And then she sent a follow-up and she said, Melanie and Jen, I wanted to send a follow-up to this message. My family and loved ones are being incredibly supportive of my lifestyle because they've seen the real benefits in me. My spouse, the one who called it intermittent starving, was the person who was the most anti-IF, and now he's reading studies, listening to podcasts, and working on implementing a 24-eating schedule. In addition to improvements in glucose, cholesterol, and other health markers, and then she says that she has experienced improvements in glucose, cholesterol, and other health markers, as well as the decrease in her prescription medications. And then she also sent us some examples of her beneficial changes that she's seen a difference with. And she says, I just feel fantastic. And I thank you both for your influence and education on this incredible new part of my life. So yeah, huge, great topic to tackle. And I'm so thrilled that we got that follow-up email as well. So Jim, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think that's great. And I totally understand her family's concern because Fasting is a tool that is often used by people with eating disorders. And so if you see someone with a past history of an eating disorder, they may have used fasting in the past, and now you may be concerned, oh my gosh, they're fasting. This is the the eating disorder, you know, rearing its head again. So I totally understand why they would be concerned. And in fact, you know, some doctors, many doctors actually recommend that you not do intermittent fasting if it triggers disordered thinking or your eating disorder behaviors that you had in the past. And this is definitely the kind of thing to talk to a therapist about if you've had a therapist that helped you work through eating disorders. So, you know, we get it. We understand why her loved ones would have been nervous about it. But fasting itself, as she says, fasting is not an eating disorder and it's not going to give you an eating disorder if you don't already have that tendency there. It's totally not the same thing. So I'm really glad to hear that she's had improvements in the type of feelings that she was having. It's not not the same as she felt when she had the eating disorder in the past. And I think that that's what you really know, your motivation and you know why you're doing it. And for me, you know, I've said this before, I feel like almost that I had an eating disorder before intermittent fasting because I was obsessed with what I was eating and when I was eating it. My eating was a whole lot more disordered then. And so now my eating feels normal and it feels healthy and I don't have to obsess about it. And that feels better to me. So a lot of it is just knowing how you feel. You know, she mentioned that in the follow-up 
that, you know, she no longer has guilt, sadness, or anger associated with food, which is a beautiful and rare thing for her. And I think that's the key. If intermittent fasting makes you feel less guilt, sadness, anger, negative emotions, that's that's a positive sign. If it makes you feel more stressed, guilt, sadness, anger, those negative feelings, that's a negative sign. So again, my advice would be if you have a therapist, talk to your therapist about it, really explore these ideas. You know, I've heard a lot of people who had binge eating type disorders. I'm not really sure what our anonymous listener experienced, but a lot of people who had experiences with binge eating disorder found that intermittent fasting has calmed that down for the first time in their lives. They no longer feel that compulsion that they used to feel. So, you know, thank you for the follow-up and that was really great to hear. What do you think, Melanie? Yeah, this was such a wonderful topic and question to get from our listener. And I mean, I think it is a really big issue for a lot of people. It's complicated and nuanced and complex because on the one hand, the behaviors with fasting, they can go two ways. They could trigger, like you said, Jen, they could trigger eating disorder type behaviors if you have a tendency towards that. And if it's, you know, tying into that for you. On the flip side, they could be the solution to eating disorder type behaviors like she's experienced right. because they allow you to finally lose that guilt and that fear surrounding food and finally get to eat all that you want without that. And it's similar to what you were saying, Jen, how you felt that you had disordered eating before intermittent fasting with all the diets and stuff. And that's the way I feel. Like before intermittent fasting, I was always like dieting and like feeling guilty about food and just it was just such a, you know, a terrible way to feel. And it felt very disordered compared to when I started intermittent fasting. And finally, I didn't have that guilt around food. And I finally got to actually eat to satiety and feel good. And it's like best of both worlds in a way. Yet from society's perspective, the latter probably looked much more disordered (laughs) than the former from people who are not, you know, familiar with fasting. And because in the former... I was eating, you know, meals throughout the day, even though they might have been all these crazy different methods and diets and chewing stacks of gum and cookie diets and, you know, calorie counting and all of that stuff. So the lifestyle should speak to itself, especially if you are experiencing those benefits, losing weight in a healthy manner, but seeing beneficial lab changes specifically, that's huge. So yeah, so I'm so happy that we got that follow-up email from her. And for anybody else in her situation before her before her follow-up, I would encourage them to make sure that the intermittent fasting is coming from a place of nourishment and health and growth and healing and not a- attached to that fear and guilt. And then also, you know, recommending people do their research, listen to podcasts, all the things. And then like, like I just said, hopefully it will speak for itself. And I really do think that if you have a therapist that you trust – you know, a therapist should understand the difference between your mindset and whether it's harmful or helpful, you know, and and that's what I would do if I had family members that were worried and say, you know, I've talked about it with my therapist and this is what my therapist said. That would really help. Yeah, I think that's a fantastic, awesome situation because they're going to be able to more better from their perspective ascertain what the mindset is behind the decisions regarding exactly fasting. Exactly. So because eating disorders is not really about the food, it's about the mindset and it, right. 
the mental aspect of it. All right. Yep. All right. Let's move on. We have a question from Tanya, and the subject is how IF helps saving money. She says, hey, Jen and Melanie, first of all, thanks for your amazing podcast. I'm in with IF 18.6 only for a week by now, and I'm really enjoying your podcast. This is not actually a question, but a topic suggestion. What I can tell after only a few days is that besides all the health benefits, IF obviously helps saving money, especially for people like me who tended to eat a lot and often every day. This is really shameful. I was tossing out lots of foods I bought in advance, but then chose not to eat because the next day I had an appetite for something completely different. I always bought way too much, just as if I was scared that I would run out of food. While doing IF, I'm kind of shocked every night when I check my fridge and it's looking as if I did shop my favorite groceries just right before. I'm saving money and I have so much more time because there's almost no meal prepping for work. And I really only need to go to the grocery store once or twice a week. I'm loving it. I'm actually sitting here right now at 7 a.m. enjoying my herbal tea because it's too early for work. I already tried IF a couple of times but had problems to go on because my weight loss results weren't as good as I expected. This is not an issue anymore because I don't weigh myself anymore for quite some time. I did 16.8 and since I love, love, love to eat, my conclusion is that my eating window was just too big for somebody like me. I'm now going with 18.6 and maybe we'll extend the fasting window a little if it feels right. Keep up the great work. I'm looking forward to new episodes. Tanya from Germany. Well, Tanya, I will just say guten tag. <laughs> I love my <laughs> family in Germany. I wonder what part of Germany she's from. Love Germany. But anyways, yeah, this is a great observation, I suppose, about intermittent fasting that it can be really, really great for the money saving. And I really relate to what she was saying about, you know, buying too much food in advance and tossing out foods and not using all the foods. I am the exact same way now. Like my fridge and, and my freezer are very minimal because I'm much more in tune with what I think I like. And I shop on a much more, I mean, she says she only shops a few times a week. I shop now on a much more immediate basis, um, which saves a lot of money. So for example, I really will get like what I'm wanting that evening and especially like perishable things like produce and things like that, that would go bad anyway. I find that I save a ton of money. And then for the things I do stock up on, it's things that it's like frozen fish, like the Australia spare moon or frozen fruit or things, you know, that will, stay fresh for quite a while in the freezer. So you're not losing money there because you're, you don't have to worry about them throwing away or frozen bone broth from Bonafide, <laughs> all of our wonderful supporters. So yeah, you can save, I think, a ton of money with intermittent fasting. What are your thoughts, Jen? Well, you know, I'm going to give you the flip side of that. I actually don't know that I'm saving a lot because the quality of my food has gone up so much that I'm now, like I said, a food snob and only the best will do. And so I'm buying more expensive food than I used to, but I probably do spend less on food. I, if you had to add up, you know, I was eating fast food breakfast and taking a frozen meal for lunch and then, you know, maybe even another fast food dinner back in the day, which sounds, I can't even believe that I ate like that. But now, you know, we need to do the meal delivery companies. And so I'm buying higher quality food. So I don't know that I'm saving a lot of money, but I certainly don't have the waste I used to have because the meal delivery kits give me just, you know, the right portions, the right amount. And unlike you, Melanie, I have to like choose the meals over a week in advance. Sometimes they 
close off the date and then they send them to you. So I just have all of my meals right there for the week and I just pick what sounds good for that night and prepare it. So I'm not like day to day going to the store, but I am day to day picking which one of the ones sounds good to me. So I guess it materializes all different ways, but I guess the the, the common trend is it definitely makes you more aware of, you know, your palate and what serves your body. Like, you know, you said you have a more (laughs) refined palate now. And I feel like I'm I mean, I, I have a more simple palate, but I feel like the foods that I choose are I, they're what I feel like really nourish me at that moment. And I feel like I make much more probably healthy decisions for my body with intermittent fasting. I agree with that. All right. So ready for the next one? Sure. So now we have a question from Kathy. The subject is hot water with lemon breaking the fast. She says, hi, I'm loving your podcast. I've been intermittent fasting 16-8 since the start of January 2019. My question is, about 15 years ago, my naturopath recommended I start my day with a glass of hot water with the juice of half a lemon. I've been doing this pretty much every day since then to keep my body alkaline as protection against disease. Can I continue this practice even if my eating window is 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. each day? It definitely isn't sweet, so will it break my fast? All right, and gotten questions about lemon water before, but I think there's also the aspect of like hot water with lemon, which is a very specific thing. I I know a lot of people open their eating windows, especially like in the Asian culture, they often start their eating with hot lemon water to stimulate digestion. Um, So what are your thoughts on hot water with lemon, Jen? Well, she's adding the juice of half a lemon and the juice of a lemon is food. I mean, any kind of fruit juice is food. So I would absolutely 100% consider that if you're having the juice of a lemon that you're having food. So I would consider that to be breaking a fast. And, you know, the question might be if you just float a lemon wedge in your water to get a gentle lemon flavor, is that, you know, that's more of the gray area. But I mean, once you start squeezing juice in, I'm pretty sure that's food. (laughs) So I would absolutely not. But you know, if, if they say to have it in the morning, I think what they mean is have it on an empty stomach, right? Because most people, that's the only time of day when they have an empty stomach. But for us, we have an empty stomach up until the moment we open our window. So just wait and your empty stomach is later in the day. Exactly. And then you open your window with the lemon juice. And so I don't think there's a magic to having these things in the morning. It's just that you want to have them on an empty stomach. And like I said, that's the only time most people ever would have an empty stomach. So get rid of the idea that these things have to occur in the AM. Have them on an empty stomach before you open your window, or actually what you're doing is opening your window with it. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up, Jen, because that's something I have realized on and off with just a lot of different things in general. When they recommend it in the morning, they'll say like, you know, needs to be taken in the morning. And now I'm like, oh, it's because it's an empty stomach. It's not necessarily right. the morning. And there are a lot of Yeah, the, the morning is not magical for lemon water, I, I promise you. <laughs> yeah, I think there are a lot of things that this applies to. So this is a really great idea to keep in mind when you're doing intermittent fasting, that if there is a suggestion for something, even like a medication, you could talk with your doctor, of course, but that it's suggested to be in the morning for some reason, that it might be because it's right. an empty stomach issue, not a... Time of day. Yeah. Yeah. So um, we hear that with that celery juice too, because, you know, the celery juice is supposed to be taken, quote, in the morning. And so, again, it's it's the empty stomach idea, I think, more than just the, the time, you know, where the sun is in the sky. Yeah. So you could consider with the lemon water, with the celery juice, anything like that, opening your fast with it. 
Because juice is food. We know that, that juice is going to be food for the body. Yeah, I mean, I, but I will say for me, I agree like in general, but then I think there might be some people who have found the intermittent fasting lifestyle that really works for them, the eating window that works for them. And if they're having water throughout the day with lemon in it and that's working for them, I still support that. But I would just say, I think that, that would be a better thing to experiment with after you have found the routine that works for you after you've done intermittent fasting for a while and have, after you've tried really the clean fast to know the difference so you can make the comparison and judge yeah. for yourself from there. A hundred percent. You got to adjust to the clean fast first without all those things. You know, stick to the plainest teas and black coffee and plain water because you may think it's not affecting you. Like I used to think with my stevia, oh, it works for me. Stevia is not a problem. Then I stopped using it and realized, oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that did make a difference. But you don't realize it till you've tried the clean fast. So now we have a question from Janie and the subject is intermittent fasting guilt. Janie says, I've been loving your podcast. Thank you for all the great info. You both are very knowledgeable. I currently follow a 23-1 or one meal a day fasting window and have been doing so for several months. I often feel guilt when I am not able to maintain this window of fasting for 23 hours when I have work or social events where I am forced to break my fast early, like a work lunch with clients, for example. These do not happen often, but when they do, I feel extremely guilty. How do I prevent intermittent fasting from becoming an obsession and keeping a balanced and healthy lifestyle? Any suggestions on how to let go of the guilt? Have either of you ever experienced guilt when breaking your fast early? If so, how did you get over this mental hurdle? Thank you. Yeah, so this is actually a really great question to end with because it's kind of the flip side question to the anonymous question earlier about the eating disorders, about intermittent fasting and mindset and disordered eating. Because what I feel like from Janie is that it's, this is the opposite. So she's doing intermittent fasting. It's working well for her, but she does feel guilty when she's not intermittent fasting. And from my perspective, I feel like that is a sort of mindset that is not beneficial for our health and healing and growth and renewal. And, and it's most likely not serving your body. And that's something that we definitely do not, you know, want to do not encourage with intermittent fasting. So Janie, I mean, I can't say don't feel guilty because if you're feeling guilty, you're feeling guilty. So I think you need to look into the reasons about why you're feeling guilty and not saying you have to necessarily talk to a therapist, but that could be, you know, that's the type of thing that we we're talking about earlier with, you know, talking with somebody or figuring out why you're feeling the way you're feeling and, you know, be it through mindfulness or meditation or journaling or gratitude. If you can work on reframing your feelings of guilt surrounding your fasting because guilt does not serve. I don't think it serves any, you know, positivity. It doesn't really serve you in the situation as far as like how to prevent intermittent fasting from becoming an obsession and a balanced, healthy lifestyle. Again, this is a thing where it is a mindset thing. So I don't think like focusing on the fasting and the actual food and everything is the solution. I think it's more about the mindset. So talking with therapists, finding some sort of practice that works for you, I think is going to be the key here. As far as have I ever experienced guilt when breaking my fast early? Yes, definitely. <laughs> Especially when I first started intermittent fasting. And like we were talking about in the beginning, when I stopped doing intermittent fasting during while moving, 
Um, it wasn't like the guilt per se. It was more just now I know it doesn't make me feel as good physically. So, and that, I think that is a different than feeling guilty. But yes, I have experienced guilt with it and that's just human nature and that's okay. On the one hand, I think it's okay to have these feelings. So that is okay. But then how can we work towards not having those feelings, if that makes sense? I think maybe Janie could think about this in a different way. I actually have a blog post at jenstevens.com that talks about um, can your body adapt to your intermittent fasting plan. And I do think, you know, even though intermittent fasting is great metabolically, we're hoping your, your metabolism doesn't slow down, but fasting has shown to be protective of your metabolism and your metabolic rate. If you do the exact same thing day in, day out, like always have a one-hour window, always eat a very similar amount of food, it's more likely that your body will adapt to that than if you occasionally shake things up. So instead of thinking about a day where you don't have 23-1 as, oh my gosh, I'm off plan, this is terrible, instead shift your thinking and think, hey, I'm having a metabolic boost day today. You know, I wouldn't call it a cheat day. I really don't like the word cheat, but I'm having a metabolic boost day today and I'm shaking things up. And so just by changing the way you think about it, like, oh, good, I'm taking some time to you know shake things up so my body doesn't adapt to this 23-1. You know, I think your body is a lot less likely to adapt to what you're doing if you do shake it up from time to time. So reframing it, basically. Yeah. That's great. You're not doing anything bad. You're actually doing something that I'm not just saying this might be beneficial to, to like change your thinking. I genuinely believe that, that it's it's beneficial to have days like this. So I actually would caution you to not stick to a rigid 23-1, 365 days of the year. So yeah, I think that's yeah. a wonderful, very practical implementation she can try. And then I thought of actually two podcasts I listened to recently that were really amazing. They're about nutrition and health, but also mindset. So if you follow us in the Himalaya app, we have a podcast playlist called Intermittent Fasting Stuff We Like. So that is a podcast playlist, and that's where I put all of the episodes of other podcasts that I really, really like. So I listened to two recently, and they're in this playlist. One was doc- on Dr. Rousseau's podcast, and it was called Retrain Your Brain, Fix Your Gut. It was an interview with researcher Ashok Gupta, and it was about IBS and inflammation and all of those things, um, but also other health issues and how they really, really relate to perspective and your mindset and your nervous system. So I know that's like not exactly what Janie's talking about here, but listening to it really, really gave me a wonderful new perspective and feeling of peace and serenity sur- surrounding eating choices intermittent fasting and everything. So that's a great episode to listen to. Also, another one I listened to recently, it was Ben Greenfield's podcast, and it was called Nourishment, What Animals Can Teach Us About Rediscovering Our Nutritional Wisdom. And it was with Fred Provenza, who wrote a book by the same name. Guys, listen to this episode. It was mind-blowing. I actually meant to talk about it at the beginning of this podcast because he talked about it was fascinating. He was talking about how our bodies naturally know what type of foods they want. I would extend that to say probably when we should be eating as well. But what he talked about in his book and on the podcast was that he went through all all these different experiments they've done with animals, especially like force feeding animals, you know, to eat certain food, like processed food, 
compared to eating naturally, like farm-raised animals versus, you know, conventional raising. And it was fascinating the things that he was saying, like how, you know, naturally raised animals that have access to a wider range of natural foods versus given this like, you know, processed food that's supposed to be quote perfect for them because it has all the nutrients pre-measured and everything, just how their eating habits differ and how the animals will naturally eat what they need of the different various foods compared to how much they will eat when given, you know, this process form and how they will actually overeat with the created synthesized process form yet not be, you know, in better health or anything like that. And it was just really, really fascinating because it made me realize how if we just listen to our bodies, our bodies know what they need at any certain time. And I think that's really, really important to keep in mind. And we'll try to like, you know, force feed our, we'll try to force feed ourselves these certain foods that are quote perfect, or we'll try to do this fasting window because in our head we think it's perfect, or we try to eat this or not eat that because we think we know in our head that it's perfect. When really there is a sense of intuition lying there if we're just quiet enough to listen to it. And um, I think if you can really get in touch with that, and that's why I really, really encourage listeners to listen to those two episodes, especially that that last one I just talked about, because it can really make you understand that like we try to control everything with our brain and like, I'm doing this and this, this should be this way and this should be this way and I should eat this and I shouldn't eat this and I should fast like this and I shouldn't fast like this when really our bodies know what they want. And if we know one thing, we know that intermittent fasting can be healing and wonderful and supportive. And so if you can fall into that pattern where you have your daily fasting, but you know, you're eating in your window and you're choosing the foods that nourish you, that is completely possible. It's not some sort of pipe dream. It is very possible because our bodies are actually wired for that if we just set up the right circumstances. So yeah, I really encourage listeners to check that out. Yeah. That sounds like a great resource. Yep. All right. Well, any other final thoughts from you, Jen? No, I, I think we had some great questions today and got it. I say this at the end of every episode. Another great episode. <laughs> Another great episode. Woo! All right. So a few things for listeners before we go. If you go to ifpodcast.com slash episode 106, that's where we will put show notes. So references, links to everything that we talked about. So definitely check that out. You can also go to ifpodcast.com slash stuff we like. That's where we list all the stuff that we like. So everything is there, guys. The the breath sprays we talked about, supplements, books, podcasts, everything I like, which is like lots of really random stuff, Um, (laughs) but it's all there. So you can check that out. If you want to submit your own questions for the podcast, you can directly email questions at ifpodcast.com. You can also go to ifpodcast.com and you can submit questions there. And like I said, we are a Himalaya partnered show. Definitely get that Himalaya app. It's life-changing. I'm obsessed with it. Follow us in that app. You'll get the podcast 24 hours in advance. You can also follow that playlist, Intermittent Fasting Podcast Stuff We Like. And then, um, yeah, I think that's might be all the things. You can follow us on Instagram. We are IF Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter. We are the IF Pod. All right. Well, well I will talk to you next week. Yes, indeed. Okay. <laughs> Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Please remember, the opinions we discussed on this show do not constitute medical advice. We're not doctors. Check out ifpodcast.com for more information on us. Theme music was composed by Leland Cox. See you next week.